Hello and welcome to another episode of El Dino. It's been a long time. Um, I've been on hiatus, if you want to call it that. It's I just haven't really been feeling it, unfortunately. Um, but I've uh, I've been reading a lot recently, and there's been tons of news articles about all kinds of things, dinosaurs. But before we even get back into dinosaurs, um, today's episode, and hopefully the episode I do next, um, is uh, it's a little bit like Elden's Ark. Um, in the sense that it talks about animals, but it also talks about other things like dinosaurs and prehistoric mammals. So, with that in mind, today we're talking about convergent evolution. Now, if you don't know what that is, don't worry, I'm going to explain it to you. Um, convergent evolution is, as stated, animals of a different species in different locales developing similar traits to adapt to similar environments or ecological niches. What that means is animals who aren't related as in special. So not, um, the example I'm going to use right now is sharks, um, dolphins, and whales, and ichthyosaurs. So ichthyosaurs, which are the marine reptiles that lived during the time of the dinosaurs. Sharks live in the water as well. And now you have uh, dolphins and whales. So for my nice little handy handy graph or chart, um, swim is good. When you can live in the water, you can get really big. There's lots of food in the water, and that makes things a lot easier. And look how happy this fish looks. Like, he's living life. So, marine reptiles, as in ichthyosaurs and whatever else they were, um, plesiosaurs and leopleurodons and all that jazz, mosasaurs, dolphins and whales, and sharks, all evolved to fill the same ecological niche in the sense that they became, A, big predators in the water, became, you know, all aquatic. Um, if you look at the, I've talked about this in the past, but whales, but whales came onto land, didn't like it. They became like these weird, like hybrid furry crocodiles and they went back into the water and they're still around today. Marine reptiles, you look at mosasaurs. Mosasaurs, their early, their early ancestors look like monitor lizards. They didn't like it, they went in the water. Sharks, they've always been in the water. They're old. They're very old animals, um, and they're they're just surviving. So these three, back to my chart, all fill the same role, if you want to call it that. Um, sure, if you want to talk about like the food pyramid or ecological niches, um, they don't all fill the exact same one, but they fill very similar ones. They are all, again, large predators. They all live in the water, and they all evolved to look the same because it worked. So, you know, ichthyosaurs, they have a fin. Dorsal fin, top of them. Well, they did have a dorsal fin on the top of them. Then they had the two little fins, and they had a tail fin, or a fluke. Sharks, same thing. Whales, dolphins, same thing. So this kind of talks about convergent evolution, um, which, again, as it is, it's animals that aren't related, evolving to look similar. Simple as that. Um, what sparked this is two things. A, I picked up this handy-dandy book that I really enjoy. It's called Afterman, a Zoology of the Future by Douglas Dixon. Or Dougal Dixon, not Douglas, sorry, my bad. Um, Dougal Dixon. And it is a book about the theory of what could happen in 50 million years if humans and all other big um, apex animals died out. Um, and at the start of the book, I think it's one of the pages at the start, it talks about convergent versus divergent evolution. And divergent evolution is what I want to talk about next, but convergent evolution is just 
honestly amazing. So page 11, all about evolution, which is huge. Um, then you have cell genetics. I didn't know anything about this. I read the whole thing. Um, natural selection, which plays a big part. Um, animal behavior. Let me talk about, you know, form and development. And then you get this really cool chart right here. And this chart is all about animals that converge into the same form. Um, so in this book, they use stuff like, if we go just, we're looking at Australia here. So we have Australia, Africa, and South America. So you have diprodons, which were the giant um, wombats that used to live. Then you have rhinoceroses, and then you have um, asprotheriums, which are extinct now. They used to be a big mammal that lived in South America. So that says heavy browsers. Now that kind of means you have these big animals that just browse on vegetation, and they all evolved a few to be in a similar form. They're all big, they're all bulky. Um, none of them have horns, like the rhino, but, you know, Australia is a little different as well, and so is Africa. Then we have stuff like, you know, flightless birds. So, you look at, um, South America's a little different also, because South America's flightless birds were, uh, predatory. And that kind of makes things difficult, but you have, um, stuff like, um, Fora horacus, which was... I believe a flightless predatory bird, it might not have been, it might have been one of the giant uh, ducks. <laughs> and you have ostriches and emus, all very similar. Um, and you talk about like, you know, burrowing insect eaters, there's anteaters, which are, you know, stegotheriums, which are um, armadillos, aardvarks, and numbats. They all feel very similar niches. So that kind of really sparked this conversation. And then there was a huge thing that came out um, just before the second lockdown, I guess, which would have been... January, almost, or almost February, and it was about dire wolves and how dire wolves aren't the same thing or even related, really, to wolves. So originally there was a big, big conversation that dire wolves were, you know, just really big wolves and they got wiped out because A, they got too big, B, they couldn't um, feed themselves almost, so that's kind of like pairing. They got too big, so they couldn't kill prey enough and eat enough, and there was too many of them. And then it was gray wolves were just better at it. Gray wolves were smaller, more adaptable. They didn't need to expend as much energy, all this jazz. So I made another handy dandy chart. This is it. As you can see, dire wolves, much bigger than normal wolves. And I have another chart in the back that you'll see in a second. But dire wolves and wolves aren't related. <laughs> dire wolves are more related to jackals than they are to wolves. Because what happened was, the ancestors of dire wolves got to South, or North America and kind of blew up. And then later, gray wolves came. But they looked very similar. <laughs> so this paper that came out, and a bunch of researchers, uh, researchers and paper um, writers, we're going to go with that, <laughs> came out and said, you know, we're looking at it, we can, we can look at the genomes, we can look at the DNA. They filled a very similar niche where they were both big predators, dire wolves being much larger, but again, a pack of gray wolves could have taken down an early bison, while as it take a couple less dire wolves to get a bison, but they still fill that same thing. Um, but they both evolved to be very similar in size, well, not size per se, but size of their body um, comparatively. So, you know, they all had long forelimbs, they were all streamlined, they filled the mold that was at that time the good predator. If you look at, you know, wolves, Wolves nowadays are still surviving, thriving. Dire wolves not so much, seeing as they're dead, um, but they still looked very similar because it was a it was a uh, mold that worked. So this is kind of a convergent evolution where you have an animal that isn't related, as I said, but they still look the same because it works. If you have uh, an easier path to tread, 
why change things? Why go a different direction? You look at dinosaurs. A lot of dinosaurs look very similar. All the pterosaurs look similar, but they were also marine, they were, I guess they were aerial um, reptiles. But we don't know what that, what that kind of thing happened. If you want another good example is flying. The ability of flight. As I wrote down here, um, bats, it's a mammal. Birds, that's a dinosaur, avian dinosaur. Insects and pterosaurs all have flight. Well, they did. I guess the pterosaurs did. All developed flight for different reasons. So, you look at bats, bats developed flight way after the rest of them. But, birds had it way before. And then pterosaurs also had it about the similar time as birds. And insects pretty much always flew. But why? Why did they fly? A, if you're in the air, you can fill that niche. If there's, uh, you know, flying insects that just pollinate, like bees or butterflies, you can eat those. Really cool. And if it's A, harder to get them when you're on the ground, and B, it lets you be more safe in the air, you evolve to fill that niche. Now, it can happen randomly. Sometimes this just happens for no reason, um, as I wrote down here. But usually it's directed. So again, if there's an easy path to follow, why change? Really cool thing though is, you know, we have bats, the only mammal that can fly. Birds that are, you know, uh, aerial masters, we want to call it that. Like they're, they're one of the most prolific flying animals we have, aside from insects. Pterosaurs are all gone now. But again, that streamlined form of wings, they had like a, you know, a not bulky body, so they could go through the air fast and easily. Um, their bones were all very hollow for the most part. These kind of things make sense. You look at insects, they, they don't have bones really. They have um, exoskeletons. But it all is very similar, which is really cool again because you have animals that are evolving to fill the same body shape that aren't related in the slightest. Again, you look at insects, bats, and birds, they all look very similar in the sense. You look at butterflies, you look at bats, you look at a robin, okay? They all have wings, check. They all have a mouth, check. They all have legs. Butterflies have more legs, but they're all positioned very similarly. Really crazy if you think about it. Um, as I wrote down here, it's very it's the complete opposite of divergent evolution. So divergent evolution, which I will talk about later, is um, animals of the same species breaking off and filling different niches, but being closely related. Um, so that's really cool. And then I have um, my last little bit of the notes before I have to actually just you know go off of my diagrams here. When you look at books and pop culture, a lot of these kind of things have talked about divergent or, evolu or convergent evolution um, in the sense of the future. So the really cool thing that I'm really interested in now is, is speculative evolution. And speculative evolution is based off of divergent and convergent evolution. It's, it's looking at the future and guessing, and it's only guessing, unfortunately. But it's also looking at the past and seeing how things evolved. So with convergent and divergent evolution, it helps us guesstimate <laughs> what could actually be there. So with animals competing with each other, pretty much anything is possible. You could have flying fish. We do have flying fish already, but if all of a sudden, you know, uh, a ton of seabirds died out and that niche was open, fish might evolve to fly. You never know. Same thing with lizards. Lizards could take flight again. Frogs, any kind of thing, could they could fill this niche here. You look at monkeys. If all of a sudden monkeys died off today, some animal would fill that niche of, you know, the foraging um, arboreal slash, you know, rainforest grazer that could climb trees to nest. Would they look the same? Maybe not. But that niche being open allows animals to fill it. 
And again, when you have a body shape that works for you, there's no point in changing things. Too drastically, of course. There's, you know, there's certain things that you can change. Let's say um, certain apes that have shorter back legs, don't be, they can't climb nearly as well. That'll evolve out. Those ones will die off. But this kind of thing happens where, A, if the niche is open, the animals just go in there and take it. And that's the kind of crazy thing about the competition, the arms race that animals go through every day. Because whatever's happening, uh, it looks like nothing to us. But over the course of thousands and millions of years, all of a sudden they look completely different. If you've ever seen, I think it's called After Earth, the Will Smith movie, kind of strange. They come back after only a thousand years. And, you know, there's giant monkeys and there's giant birds because apparently those filled that niche. If you look at After Man, af After Man... <laughs> Um, it's very crazy because that's 50 million years in the future, so everything's everything's very crazy, and in this book, all the big predators died out, so there's no wolves, there's no bears, there's no um, lions or tigers. And then you look at, you know, um, what's it called? Um, the Future's Wild, which is also based off of After Man. Future's Wild is 50 million, 100 million, 150 million years. Those are all based off of convergent and, and convergent and divergent evolutionary theory and speculative evolution because this is it, it's crazy when you think about it. like this stuff kind of like makes me so happy to talk about because again it it lets your imagination run wild like in in afterman rats take over the world basically rats fill the niches that dogs and cats left kind of crazy Whew. you look at <laughs> sorry um you look at things like deer deer died out so what fills it rabbits because rabbits can get big and they can fill those roles so it's that's what convergent evolution is, and it's very cool to think of, you know, how certain animals evolve into the body shapes that we have um, that don't make any sense. Like, can you imagine, like, a, a dolphin looking like a whale? <laughs> can you imagine a, a flying cat? Um, because it evolved to have, uh, like, wing membranes because it was easier because bats died out. Like, that's, that's a crazy thing. Can you imagine predatory bats that, you know, are like birds of prey? The, like, this is what convergent and divergent evolution is, where um, more convergent evolution, actually, not divergent evolution, but it's crazy. Um, and I get super excited talking about this, so sorry if I'm kind of just rambling, but um, when you look at this kind of stuff, we get to see the wild ideas. If you ever read um, Margaret Atwood's Orcs and Crake, those animals are genetically modified, but it's convergent evolution because the animals were released into the na into nature and then converged on a body shape that worked for them. I mean, of course, if you haven't read Orcs and Crake, it's all about um, playing with genetic enhancements and changing animals, and there's raccoon skunks and there's pig wolves, and it's very different, but they all fill these crazy roles, and they end up wiping out a bunch of other animals because they are easy to do that. So, my other chart I have is uh, mice, shrews, and moles. Now, moles, I realized after putting moles on there, they don't really work. Moles are insectivores that live underground. Um, but you have moles, shrews, and mice. They all look similar. They all fill that kind of furry insectivore niche. Shrews eat insects. Mice eat insects. Moles eat inse insects. Of course, they're all kind of different. Um, but it's a loose uh, convergent evolution theory in that sense. Where you have, again, same body type. If you notice, I, put, I tried to put sunglasses on the mole, but it didn't work too well. And then the shrew has little teeth because shrews eat, they're more predatory. But that's the kind of thing that I is crazy about convergent evolution, is the door opens, and anything can fill that. <laughs> this, is, this is the theory of 
animals doing what animals do best and adapting. Now, of course, again, there's talk of forced conversion evolution, if I call it that, where, like, if we today wiped out deer um, and then, you know, put heavy strain on some other animal, what would fill that? Um, which kind of forces animals into an area where they have to, they have to adapt. Um, and again, there's the theory of, this tries really into the theory of rewilding, where what if we released um, elephants today into Siberia and then they evolved to be similar to mammoths because that was the, the niche that was there originally, a big grazing mammal that was adapted to the climate. And what would it do to the climate then? So there's this whole theory of fixing the earth by rewilding and, and seeing what animals would just show up. And then it gets into cloning. Yeah, honestly, it's kind of wild. Like this is this is my bread and butter, and I love it. But it's all very interesting. Now, if you watch the episode, sweet, you get to see my charts. If not, and you just listen to it, I'm sorry. I'm gonna check it out again. Just fast forward to where I use the charts because they're okay. I think I think they're pretty good. If we're being honest here, like that fish, that's a really happy fish. My wolves, well, something to be desire. They look almost like I don't know. They, I don't know they, look, they look pretty good, maybe. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's kind of just what convergent evolution is. Um, so my next episode is going to be all about divergent evolution. It's kind of short, but there's not much to really say unless you want to like look it up. I'm not I'm not an expert in this field, unfortunately, um, but I really enjoy it, and this is something that I, I love talking about. So I hope I like you know sparked your curiosity, and hopefully you'll look it up on your own, or you'll come out and check more episodes. So with that, this has been like a special episode of a crossover between Eldino and. Um, Elden's Ark. Um, but with that, thank you very much for watching. I hope you enjoyed. I'm sorry if I talked too fast. I got really excited, so I tend to do that. Um, but I will catch you next time. Uh, you know, stay safe in this crazy world, and uh, have a good day. See ya.